This is SBF Zero, episode 16, for Saturday, November 21st. Hello, Charles. Well, to be honest, Charles isn't actually here today. Um, Charles is with his family, and because his family doesn't have a computer from this decade, uh, we couldn't get the audio to work, and so this time it'll just be a, a, a solo podcast. Um Hopefully that means we're a little bit more on the tracks. Uh, I guess I always bash Charles because his general disorganization within uh, this podcast. So hopefully it'll be a little bit more organized um, and then I'll try and keep everything on the tracks. Uh, This, oh man, all right. I got to be honest, I've been trying to watch my my general uh, communication so one thing that I've been trying to really work on is not saying those little stuttering phrases stuttering words that people tend to use when you know sometimes you really get into a ramble of words and you're not able to communicate your idea in the full brevity so most people tend to use the uh or the like I'm trying to think of what else. So I'm trying to limit doing that, especially on the podcast. Um, Just did it again. Damn it. It's so hard. So every time I do it, I'm probably going to have a nervous breakdown in my head. Hopefully that doesn't mean that this whole thing falls off the tracks, but can't make any promises. All right. So this week we have the holidays. Good old holidays where... The pilgrims invited the Indians to Turkey before giving them smallpox blankets and ravaging their homes. All right, so I don't know how other people feel about Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving because simply it's it's food-oriented and anything food-oriented is just much better than anything else in life. I don't like holidays that tend to promote drinking you know you got your saint patrick's day you got your cinco de mayo all of these things i'm not a huge fan because i don't i don't drink but anything food related that is amazing i wish we'd do that more we would have food related holidays i mean why is it not that like cinco de mayo we should all just have Tex-Mex food and I say Tex-Mex food because I mean white people are the only people that are celebrating Cinco de Mayo at this point Um, and then St. Patrick's Day we have well what the hell do Irish people eat Uh, I can only think of potatoes but that seems like a slap to the face for the potato famine that they had well anyways whatever Uh, Mardi Gras yeah let's just have some good Cajun food See, that would be much, I think, I think the world would be a much better place. You would see uh, less racism or maybe more racism because then it would be many more stereotypes. I don't know. All right. That wasn't the point. But um, yeah, the holidays are coming up. Most people aren't going to spend it with their families, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately. Um, I'd imagine if you have terrible in-laws that this is awesome. You don't have to deal with them anymore. I, 
that's one thing I do wonder as well. If how many people deal with that sort of stereotypical in-law relationship where your in-laws just always make condescending comments and you're kind of this outsider where you always have to deal with the mom or or maybe the the dad's a grunt or the siblings are always comparing their jobs to yours i i don't know i wonder if you know people's families are as dysfunctional as mine um or maybe not you know it's it's you always think that your family is normal until you meet another family and then you realize that your family is actually like a flat tire. Man, I hope no one from my family listens to this so they, I don't have to hear about it later. But yeah, you're, uh, I guess if you're happy to... Also, if you're, if you're the main cook for the meal, I mean, you got to be ecstatic. You, gotta, you could basically just take takeout. I would just go to KFC. The other gripe I have with Thanksgiving is turkey. Turkey is the worst meat. Like, I would rather have spam than turkey. There's a well-cooked turkey is... It doesn't hold any sort of achievement to a well-cooked steak or... I mean, hell, I'll even take a hamburger helper. Some of those hamburger helpers, like, they're really the shit. You get the stroganoff... You get the sauce running everything like that sounds way better than just a turkey. I mean, think about it. This is the one time of the year that we actually have turkey. Why is it that? Yeah, that alone should tell you how turkey is appreciated or valued. I mean, no one wants turkey. There's a reason we only get it this time of the year. We only bear to cook it this time of the year. So I wish there would be a movement. We just like stop. We stop having turkey. Another great thing that Thanksgiving is going to give us is all of the fried turkey fails. I'm not talking about the, you know, the worst kind where you burn your house down. But you'll see, you know, someone frying the turkey. You're not supposed to fry it frozen. You're supposed to thaw it out completely because the water will cause the oil to uh, the combination to just explode. But it's, it's so awesome to, you know, run the world star websites around the holiday time and see exploding, uh, fried Turkey mixers. It's kind of like seeing a, a water heater shoot through the roof. It's quite a, a magical, you know, fun time. Um, or maybe I'm just a psycho. That could also yeah, be very true. Uh, another thing this week is I got a pair of shoes. I got the Kobe 5 Proto Rings. So they look amazing. They're like this Laker-themed Kobe shoe. Rest in peace to him. That's uh, not really that fun and really that much of a big event but I'm happy so and I'm the one with the microphone so that's kind of good enough there um there was a few news obviously everyone heard of the 
vaccine, so I won't go too far into it. You know, that's really awesome to see progress in that. I think it leads a lot of optimism towards next year. Um, this is going to be a very educational portion of the podcast, so I am going to try and limit it to like 10, 15 minutes. So if you don't want to hear about global trade deals, then go ahead and just skip 10 or 15 minutes. But over this week, depending on when you're listening to this, um, the Asia trade deal, the RCEP, was signed. And it included 30% of the global GDP. Um, It includes, obviously, the biggest player is China. And subsequent big players are Japan, South Korea, Australia, New Zealand. And then it includes a lot of more third world countries, sort of smaller economies such as Thailand, Myanmar, I never know how to say that, Malaysia, Singapore, Indonesia, and the Philippines. Um, This is really big because obviously China is leaning towards more of a, a global oversight and since they have a lot of deals in a huge economy, um, they're the only real economy that could compare and compete with the U.S. And because of how their views are politically and the way that they and the way that they run the system, it makes it to where they're really gonna try and um, force their way into a lot of negotiations and influence things the way that they want to. So the big thing about this is, even though, I mean, it's the Asia trade deal, so they, they didn't have non-Asian countries in it, um, the U.S. is not part of this. The, the thing before going into this specific trade deal is trade deals as a whole. So trade deals are usually good for corporations because it makes it easier to trade between the nations in the deal. Um, production standards are usually set within a deal, so it makes it easier for corporations to have to follow one production standard instead of, say, having to make a car and then having to make another car that will follow the guidelines of a different country. So that makes it easier on production. It lowers the tariffs, the taxes, on imports and exports for the countries in the deal. So this also makes it... uh, economic sort of incentive for the companies because now they don't have to pay those tariffs and taxes to bring their products back into, say, the U.S., where um, most of the time it's imported because we don't have this. We have different wage and standards that are usually higher than other countries in third world countries. Um. One keynote is is that trade deals are usually bad for blue-collar workers. You know, your actual people on the production line executing, you know, using their hands, stuff like that. It means that jobs are sent out of the country because, simply put, America, like I said, has higher worker standards and wages than other countries in the deal. It makes it easier for corporations because they make products in those other countries And then again, uh, aside from the the tariffs, they have less red tape. They have less regulations 
when having to bring their products back home into the U.S. and in, in other countries where then you see the, the revenue actually take place. Um, so, so that's kind of a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a gist on trade deals. Um, so in this trade deal, so the U.S. isn't involved in this trade deal. They also, President Trump took the U.S., before it was ratified, he took the U.S. out of the TPP, the Trans-Pacific Partnership. And by doing that, now we're not in the TPP, which included various Central American, um, Hispanic countries, and Canada, and stuff like that. We were taken out of that deal. That was something that Obama was trying to, you know, always in, always make during his tenure. Um, with the withdrawal from the TPP, it was good in theory. I do support the theory that Trump had by doing that. The only problem is that he never created a, another deal that came into a, the fruition. So now we're left out of it. You know, and it's still running and it's still going on. So the countries that, at least the corporations that are working in those countries, they're able to reap the fruits of labor to be able to run more smoothly and gain benefits from the, the production of other countries. So it's, it's just tricky because... Trump is good to leave these deals that, again, typically hurt American workers and American manufacturers. But it's such a difficult thing to maneuver because corporations are always going to seek to cut overhead costs. And it really never makes sense to bring manufacturing into the U.S. Because, you know, why would you spend a lot more money when you can have your stuff made in in Mexico or Malaysia or China or stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's this really weird sort of line because one thing that a, a lot of companies, not companies, a lot of countries use is protectionism. Protectionism is an economic policy of restricting imports from countries through the use of tariffs, quotas, and other regulations. Um, so basically say if, if you're a small business in the U.S. and you make shoelaces and your shoelaces just do well and then you sell them in the U.S., you don't really have like a global market because you're, you know, you're still a small business and it's hard for you to compete with other companies that may be use China and use Mexico for production because it's so low for their cost that then they can sell their products cheaper. Well, through protectionism, the U.S. will put tariffs and other restrictions on the companies that import, that use other countries for production, but then try and bring their products into the U.S. The only problem, this is, sounds good, usually. But then a pro is that the industries within the country succeed because they're able to compete with the low-cost production of imports. That's point A. They also help raise funds for the government. 
So all of the you know taxes that they make from imports, it helps the government, which could emphasis on could go towards schools, transportation, stuff like that. Another pro is that it usually helps security because with more red tape on the imports, it makes it harder for shady practices and products to enter the U.S. because of the longer process and kind of the more oversight. A con is that it creates competition, swift action, and closed borders from other countries. You know, like other countries don't just lie there and take it when a country... uh, implements protectionism laws or regulations like they will make it hard on the u.s to export anything to them and we've even seen it in other timelines other periods of time that it can lead to war it can lead to conflict so it's it's this very very weird thing and then also usually the thing that affects people the most is is a con that is it likely raise costs to consumers because it makes free trade harder for companies and that you know the companies aren't just going to again take it they pass the costs onto the consumer so if the, all of this isn't confusing enough you know it's hard enough to 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 sort of analyze a trade deal the the biggest thing that i took away from it is just china and their growing influence and their growing relations with the countries around them and other countries in economic policies. You know, I think the U.S. is is really getting behind on some of these things, and it could then end up leaving a lot of big companies that do work with China, such as shoes, phones, you know, numerous products that everyone uses. It's going to make it hard for the U.S. to compete. And if they really don't have a say in it, it's going to be hard for them to sort of try and bring the prices down. I mean, if you if you then put tariffs on, on Apple for all their phones and they make their chips in China, I mean, they're not... They're, all your iPhones are going to cost more. So... It's going to be really interesting just to see the the sort of follow-up to all of that. All right, so I don't know how long that was, but done done with education right now. We're going to try and, since that was a little bit more statistic and rhetoric heavy, let's do something stupider. All right, um, I sent out postcards to for for the holiday i feel really dumb because i don't know how to send out postcards well i won't say i don't know how what i will say is that i have to google it and then i double double guess myself double guess i second guess myself uh all the time so i googled how to label postcard and then i mean it was awesome because they showed me pictures i mean i'm a visual learner so that's perfect show me like a little cartoon of someone mailing someone a postcard realize how it went labeled everything made sure it was good handwriting very legible 
it all works out. I had to go buy stamps, so I went down to the post office. Um, when I got there, I don't even know if this guy worked there, but he was just standing by the door, and he was like really aggressive. He was like, what is your business here today? I was like, geez, like, dude, it's a post office. What do you think I'm going to do? Um, I told him I just need to get some stamps and then I was going to get some info on how much it would cost to send, you know, specific items. He's like, okay, you can step in line, which is, I mean, the whole thing was dumb because it, I would have just stepped in the line and then gone into, yeah, to see an attendant and everything. So it's kind of, I, I have no idea. Is the post office, you know, under, not terrorist attacks, but are they, what is going on, like, that they hire security? I mean, it's in that, now it's like a nightclub. You got to show your ID and and then not causing a, any fuss around there. I'm not sure why. The lady was opposite of this guy. She was really helpful. Um, very nice, kind of like a sweet aunt sort of vibe. So all in all, I got these really cute stamps that were Christmas themed. Um, sent out like eight cards to a bunch of people. I didn't know if I was, I mean, I was definitely being biased because I only sent them out to couples, you know, friends and then their partners and stuff like that. So is that, what is the, what is the word for that? Singleism? Relationshipism? Um, yeah, it was weird. I don't know why. I think for maybe Christmas I'll send, send it to individual people. I don't want to give away the idea of what I'm going to do, but I want to have some sort of like challenge in the card, you know, I have it in my head, so I won't give it away, but if you get a Christmas card from me, it's probably going to have a challenge in there, you know, for you to try and give back to your community or something. So, uh, and yeah, we'll see. We'll probably send out another eight. Another awesome thing, because I don't ever spend money on cards or getting them or stuff like that. They make it really easy. You know, you can buy like an eight pack and then they have like the little advertisement that it's less than a dollar for each one. So that is really clutch. You know, if you're sending postcards, you can, you know, I always thought postcards cost like two or three dollars or more if you get the fancy. Oh my. If you give someone a card with a song in it, you should go fuck yourself. I mean, it's, it's, it's probably too harsh. I'm probably overreacting, but that is so annoying is having a song because it's usually terrible. It usually sounds like a chipmunk that's trying to sing to you. I, I don't, yeah, I don't ever want that. If you ever send me a postcard with a song in it, like I will put you on the do not mail list. I'll put you on the spam list. I do, oh man, I don't know. I would imagine that the people that laugh to Geico commercials are also the people that 
buy postcards with songs. That sounds about right. Yes, that that is completely an insult. It means you're lame and uh, you need to have a better taste and stuff. Yeah. All right. So should we be a little happier now? Um, I'm practicing my Spanish. You know, one thing that I really annoying is whenever I speak Spanish, my vocabulary isn't that great. So it's just really, I, I'll say like three sentences and then it completely falls apart because I run into a cliff where I don't have the word to kind of bridge everything together and it just completely brings things to a halt. I mean, I'm sure my actual gra- grammar is terrible too. I'm just imagining when you when you speak to someone that has broken English and they, you know, they don't use the right tense or they're missing a word where it sounds broken. I'm sure that's what I sound like, which would be interesting because I don't really know. My Spanish isn't so confident that I would know if I'm making a mistake. But I assume I am. So that's great. But it's been a lot of fun. Um, I like flashcards. They're really fun because it's like quick and you really got to know what's on the other side of it. So, and I got these fun flashcards. I mean, I got like a hundred count of flashcards, but they come in, uh, four or five colors. I don't know. I'm trying to look. Um, but yeah, just trying to make it jazzy. I mean, if you're going to learn something, you might as well have fun with it, right? So my Spanish, hopefully that gets better. If not, then I'll be that that Hispanic person that forgot their native language, their first language. That was my first language. All right. Um, let's go to another news thing. All right. So Google, and this is kind of goes into the future of tech company growth. You know, this is specific to storage and cloud strategies. But what Google is doing is, is Google Photos, which has always been free and it's been unlimited. So you could just use Google Photos and put as many photos as you want. Use all the storage for all you idiots that can never delete a photo. There you go. They got you. Good job. Why can't you delete photos? And why do you take so many photos? You know, if my friend Casey is listening, he takes the stupidest photos ever. I remember in college, we took a trip to San Francisco. Not San Francisco, but like Northern California. On the highway itself, we're driving through the mountains. He's taking pictures out of the window. And just, why? He, I, I would imagine... Like most people who take a thousand photos, you don't look over them. Maybe you do a photo drop like on Facebook and it's like, hey, this person uploaded 700 photos that no one gives a shit about. I don't know. I don't know if that's how he does it. But yeah, if you're one of those people that takes a bunch of stupid photos and you you can't bear to delete some of them, Google Photos has always helped you out because it gave you an unlimited amount of space. And it was all good. Well, now what Google is doing is they're going to grandfather in all of the things that were were uploaded up to that point. But now 
you have to start paying for more storage. Now you're you're at a deadline. And a lot of companies, you know, even within Google, like the Google Drive, gives you about 15 gigs of storage. I, I don't know what um, Apple is because I've always used the Android, but I'm sure the cloud, you know, gives you a certain amount, but then you got to start paying for it. So what these what one big thing is is that that is common is that um, companies are offering products for free, and then the consumer gets used to it. You know, all the seamless transitions, all of the storage, all of the the apps, the the options, stuff like that. They will grandfather you in. But from then on, anything you do after that, you're going to have to start paying for it. This is, I mean, it's genius for tech companies, you know, because they're going to have huge booms in revenue. You are now going to have to pay for the things that you were so used to and took for granted. And it helps pile up more and more lists of companies, you know, growing as you know, quite frankly, the aspects of your life are are quote unquote taxed. So you know, if you need storage and you want it online, you're going to have to start paying for it. If uh, you know what's going to happen if if Apple, you know how the, all of their products talk to each other and they talk to each other very easily. What if they put money on that? What if uh, Google's started uh, putting ads or stuff like that in their products. I mean, yes, they're they're accounting for your data, but at some point when you have to keep making money, you have to find other ways to do it. And that's usually in the forms of of fees because then that's automatic. So I, I always think of, you know, how people, let's say, let's say Instagram was said, hey, we're going to hold your last 50 posts, but after that, you know, you got to start paying. That would make a huge amount of money for them. And that could very well happen when they have to keep growing and keep becoming bigger. It kind of, when I thought about this, it wasn't necessarily the, the strategy, the economic strategy of what they had, but more so people's dependence on it. You know, I, I don't think, especially with the recent features of of tech, sort of, uh, what's it called, of tech documentaries and articles and even subpoenas of, of tech company leaders. You see that a lot of people, you see the, the, the methods that they use. And you see how people become very addicted to these things. That's why, you know, I, I talk about you you become used to these things you you feel as though they're their everyday life they are you're dependent on it they're ne- they're necessary for your way of life whereas you know they simply aren't because we didn't have them and we don't need them but now as as things progress more and more these companies are using that i wouldn't say in a negative way i would say in a profitable way you are a user they have to make money off of you. So they're doing that in a very intelligent way. I always wish that people 
would spend less time on their phones and, you know, would call each other instead of post and like each other, stuff like that. I wish that you would, you know, see each other instead of, instead of, uh, just catch up and, and see a post from someone that is, that isn't a summary of, of their life. Um, so it'll be interesting how this kind of plays out because in the future, probably in the next 10 years, it's going to be everywhere. There's going to be something that is is taxed or, or has a fee to it that you before didn't really have to deal with. So, yeah, I'm not sure how that's, how that's going to go. I wish people the luck, all the luck to try and detach from their phone, but... It seems even, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to do. I even see my own parents, and they, frankly, are more addicted to their phones than I am. I mean, there, we were we were at dinner with uh, my future sister-in-law and my brother, and my dad just was on his phone. Like, we were literally at the kitchen table and talking to each other and hanging out, and we were playing songs and and stuff like that so we were had to be on our phones to be like oh this song what about this song but then my dad just then got swallowed up by his phone he couldn't he he just started watching and looking at stuff that didn't even matter stuff that he won't even remember the next day is just him just needing to or him just succumbing and being like brainwashed into like this zombie state where you're not really focused on literally the the people around you so i always think that it should just be on someone's willpower but then you see other people and you realize a lot of people don't have that and it's uh it's very unfortunate because these systems aren't going to change they're only going to get better so if people aren't able to handle them right now, you know, they're definitely not going to be able to handle them in a few years when they get better. All right. I don't know why all my news things are depressing. Let's definitely not try and do that. So I've been going to a lot of coffee shops and I've been having more coffee in general. Um, I am a very weak person when it comes to caffeine. I've kind of told myself in my head, like, you know, if it's past 3 p.m., I can't have any coffee. It's going to make it much harder to sleep. I don't know how many people deal with that. I would have met, I don't know. Because there's some people, I mean, they drink so much coffee. I don't know how they do that. I think one is good. For me, I mean, I usually have a cup around 10, 11, and I'm good to go. But, man, there's people that have, like, the triple shot latte sort of mocha froca bullshit thing that they order. Which which way should I take this? All right, I'll go first. If you're a person and you go to a coffee shop and you order this mocha froca bullshit, and you have so many requirements for it. You know, leave some room at the top. One squirt of vanilla. 
non-fat almond milk with a little bit of whip. I hope that you, I hope your car explodes when you get back into it and turn on, turn the keys to the ignition. I have no idea how we've evolved into this society where people think it's okay to order such ridiculousness and then demand for it to be perfect. Yeah, it just imagine you go anywhere else. You go to a steakhouse, you get a steak. They're like, how would you like it? Medium rare. That's it. One requirement. That's it. You go to uh you go to McDonald's. Let me get the Big Mac. No onions, no mac sauce. Two requirements. Still still okay. You go where else do you go to? I don't know, you buy you buy some shoes. What size? Size ten. Boom, done. One requirement. That's it. Why is it that coffee we let that slip and let it be ten different parameters? And then people have the quite frankly the immaturity to then be frustrated at another grown adult for not getting their coffee the way they want it to. It makes no sense to me. It's quite frustrating, to say the least. If you're one of those people, again, I hope someone sticks a banana in your exhaust and when you turn on your car, it explodes. That would be amazing. Uh, But anyways... Uh, so I've been drinking a lot of coffee lately. I'm not big on coffee. Like, I don't drink it because of taste. I always drink it straight. I'm not into sweeteners or coffee cream or... I mean, I like whipped cream, but that's just because I like whipped cream. Um, so I just have coffee straight up. And another thing, and this is... I mean, I think people agree with me on the, the Mocha Froca bullshit opinion but I think people probably won't agree with me on this I like iced coffee I don't you know you get the coffee steaming hot you know the McDonald's warning don't spill this on your lap in case you really needed that sort of hot I hate that I don't know why for me I like my coffee warm that's when I can start drinking it not hot not boiling hot just warm and to be honest most of the time i i just take the lid off and let it cool off i'll even have the coffee cup of coffee fresh and then i'll put it in the freezer for like 15 minutes because then i can drink it then it's not too much that that's uh i don't know if that's a a bad take or anything but i love i didn't know that you know, night. Uh, what are they called? Nitro brews, cold brews. I didn't know that that was seen as more of a broy sort of thing. It was seen as maybe even like a hipster sort of thing. But uh, I I love cold brews. I mean, that's my go-to. I can make it, not make it. I don't know how to make coffee. I wish I did, but it's like one of those things. Like I wish I could play the piano, but not really going to put the effort into it. Um, 
I wish I could just like go into a coma and then wake up and I could now have the talents of a barista and a pianist. That's my dream. That'd be so awesome if I got hit on the head in March, went through the entire pandemic asleep, and then woke up and could make a great French press and play you Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. I don't know if that's a thing, but yeah. So yeah, coffee habits. One thing that I also, you know, coffee is another thing people can get addicted to. I remember having, I mean, I still have these, some of these friends, but I remember people would say, you know, if I don't have a cup of coffee, my head hurts, which is a real good inclination that you should probably stop drinking coffee. I, I don't know. Maybe that's just me, but yeah, people that are addicted to coffee, like I said, the, the double and triple shot macchiato. Again, I'm throwing out all these coffee terms just because I know that they're words, but I actually don't know what any of them mean. Um, but yeah, you, I mean, that's just crazy. Like you have to have the, not black rifle coffee. You, it's, it's one thing that I don't understand is the marketing of coffee. Like I don't understand the marketing of hot sauce, you know, with hot sauce, you'll have, you know, hellfire, Diablo, shit your pants sauce. And there's a lot of sauces like that where they label them, you know, instant diarrhea, hot sauce. And it's like, why would you ever buy that? You know, but obviously if they're filling the shelves with it, it's just, I know someone's got to buy it. And with coffee, it's the same thing. You know, it's like Black Death coffee. Um, it's like, okay, I mean, do you really want to drink that? I mean... Do you really want a heart attack? That's, yeah, it's just, it, it always surprises me, that, that marketing, but, you know, they're popular. So there's people that also, you know, I mean, maybe just get some sleep. Like, what is it that you need the triple shot frappuccino and then another cup of coffee at 4 p.m.? Like, like maybe you should just go to bed with some earplugs and and take a little melatonin gummy as well. I mean, I mean if you really need 3 shots of of caffeine just to get through your day then maybe you should look at your day, you know. It seems crazy to have to do, but I digress. Ah, I don't want to sound too judgmental. I just hope everyone's happy. That's all I care about. All right. So the last news that I'll have is that it's an estimated that there will be 500 less newborns in 2021 because of the pandemic. Um, you know, through history, historians have seen that when it comes to economic hard times and times of war, you know, in 2008, um, 2001, you know, the Vietnam War, World War II, World War I, the Great Depression, everything like that. These times cause for less babies to be born. Simply put, people don't feel as secure, so they are less or they are much more hesitant to start a family. Makes sense. Totally agree with it. 
um, yeah, you, I would not want to be raising a child during these times. Um, so shout out to anyone that is raising a child during these times because you are a saint. That must be difficult. Whenever I see a kid, that I guess there's a difference. Whenever I see a kid complaining and whining and stuff like that, I sympathize with the parent. I try not to judge them because simply put, they must be exhausted with having to deal with it. I will judge you if you do not understand the context of the situation. Yesterday, I was at a coffee shop because I drink coffee now because I'm an avid coffee connoisseur. Um, that sounds snotty. Um, but there was a family there and their two kids were just, they were running around, they were screaming and stuff like that. I get that as a parent, you want to have some fun and you want to just be able to be outside and spend time with your partner. Get a babysitter because that is when I totally judge you because now you're affecting everyone in the coffee shop. And also, you're at a coffee shop. Kids don't belong at coffee shops. They can't drink coffee. You probably shouldn't give them all of the sugary baked goods that they also offer that I love. I mean, if you have a Pop-Tart, a toaster strudel Pop-Tart at your coffee shop, I love you. Thanks so much. You make the world a better place. But if you're a parent and you bring your kid to a coffee shop, I mean, why? Honestly. And that's... that's it sounds snooty because obviously people don't always have the money to get a sitter and stuff like that. Or maybe you're not around your family. But yeah, it's annoying. You're at a coffee shop. The rest of us are there to study, catch up with a friend, read, journal, whatever. And then your kid's running around and you don't understand the context. Come on. But... Uh, but coffee shops are fun. I like the tranquility of them. Depending on the music. Because again, sometimes, you know, you're at a coffee shop. Let's keep it cool. I don't want to see the 2000s top 40s list playing on there. But so much for being... Oh, I was talking about babies. Why am I back to coffee? Um, so yeah, so there's 500 less newborns. And also studies have shown just because of what's happening in, during the pandemic that there is now causing development issues with children, especially elementary students. Because of education, some kids are not progressing as they normally would inside of a school system that now even some students are regressing and they are having to kind of stay in their current state and I would imagine there's a lot of kids that have to repeat uh, their grade because it's my I mean it's got to be a nightmare having to teach a kid at home and even worse like trying to get them to stand in front of a computer just to learn something I mean I hate doing that and I'm 28 I, I'll get up to just to eat a snack or something or if my phone goes off, I check it, you know. So having a kid do that, that sounds awful. So 
I hope that gets better because, yeah, there's a lot of people that are struggling in this. So shout out to Pfizer and Moderna for doing their part. And I think they applied for mass production. So hopefully by, hopefully by, I'm going to say my birthday, which is May 30th, in case you want to buy me something. I'm hoping that by May 30th, we are back. You know, maybe people are still wearing masks and stuff like that, but we are back. Fingers crossed. If I was a betting man, which I am, I would put my money on that. Um, and then, oh, man. All right, so try and wrap wrap it up. Um, my bets this week, UFC 255 just happened. You had, I think, the start of the first half of the card of the whole card was all right at best. A lot of decisions. Um, towards the end, you had a lot of TKOs, a lot of more technical striking. Tim Means did a wonderful job of just piecing out Mike Perry. Um, Valentina Shevchenko was interesting because she did run into a little bit of some hiccup in the second round. Maya ended up winning the second round, so that was intriguing to see that, you know, an overwhelming minus 2,000 favorite lost a round. Um, and in the main event, you know, Davidson Figueredo, it looked tricky, but then it quickly, you know, turned the other way with leg kicks and, and grappling. So um, no one's making much of the fact that he was grabbing the fence prior to being able to make that change. So, uh, yeah, that was really annoying. Um, but overall, I did three parlays, two of them hit. So it made for an overall positive night, if not like a complete, you know, in the in the green, a great, a great profit. Um, what else? So then this week is Thanksgiving. Spend it with a limited amount of people because of the whole pandemic and COVID and just getting around in large gatherings. Um, aside from that, not much. I'm going to stay on my schedule, stay busy. Uh, what else? Hopefully I can golf. It's going to rain a lot, which kind of sucks. And it's getting colder, which also kind of sucks. That's what sucks about being in Kansas. I wish it was in L.A. where the weather was nice. But yeah, just try and do small things like that. And then maybe next week, it'll be a little bit more livelier. Get to see some friends and everything. Um, Charles will hopefully be back. So if not, then you'll get me again, which maybe after hearing this, you'll hate. But yeah, I guess this was sort of interesting because I had to do it by myself and then managed to talk for... I don't even know how long we've been going, but and I'd say this is an hour, over an hour. So my pick of the week is Opposite of Loneliness by Marina Keegan. So Marina Keegan passed away, I think in 2012, in a car accident. And she was a promising young writer, attended Yale, graduated from Yale, and she was, yeah, again, promising and tragically passed away at such a young age. 
her writing was compiled together and it was put together to be in a book, um, which is the opposite of loneliness. This book is set in short pieces. It is not one, it is not a biography, and it is not a one like fictional or non-fictional book. It's it's really good. It, quite frankly, it's really good. I read the first story and oof, it was so good. And I, I've never been a person that kind of binge reads, binge, binge reads, binge reads, binge reads, binge reads um, books. But this is a little different. I've ran through half the book in in two days, which I normally don't do. So it is. It's very. The the short stories are so. They pull you in. If you can read between the lines, you can feel these things. They're very, um, it's relatively easy to empathize and put yourself in these situations. And I think because of a lot of the the relationships that that are written about, people have more than likely felt that way in their own life. So not only can you envision it, but then you also have felt it at some point in your life. Because of those two things, it makes the book just wonderful, wonderful to be around. So that's my pick of the week, Opposite of Loneliness by Marina Keegan. Um, I should have done this on the front end, but I guess I'll do it on the back end now. Um, shout out to my friend Travis, who told me that he will, he listens to the show, so I'm glad about that. If anyone tells me they listen to the show, I will put your name on here, so just let me know. Um, go to sbf0podcast.com for all the links. goes to all the links of, of where we upload this, Apple, Spotify, stuff like that. Um, it has the links to our social media accounts, our Instagram. Uh, also, go ahead and send us an email. Um, still working out the kinks in the intro, so... If you like the intro from the last episode, let me know. If you like the intro from this episode, which is, which is going to be different, you can also let me know. Um, but yeah, also if you, you like the solo way, let me know. If you didn't, also let me know. I am not impervious to bad commentary, bad reviews. But yes, share this. Um, like subscribe review help us with the algorithms and then we will see you on the next one all right bye